Good morning. So what are y'all up for this morning? I, I need some folks. Uh, I was going to ask for volunteers, but I thought I'd just choose some. Uh, Kevin McCoy, I, I need you on stage. Uh, Dave Winfrey, where are you? I need you on stage. Taylor Holloman, where are you? Miss Megan, I need you up here. Alex Rios. All right, I just, y'all just, uh, I think it'd be good for the men to kind of intermingle with the women. So, David, if you'll go over on that side. You just stay on this side, stay on this side. Megan, if you'll come over here. Megan. All right, now, um, let me set this up. The the seeds for this uh, really started about 15 months ago, uh, reading Tim, I mean, uh, Tim Keller's uh, commentary on Mark. uh, And when he begins to explore the inner life, the interpersonal life of the Trinity, if you will. And, uh, and, and so we preached on that about 15 months ago, uh, but then in, in reading the scripture this week in Ephesians chapter 4, I begin to realize that we have the Trinity showing up again in that, in that text. Now, in, in, in Keller's um, um, explanation of this interpersonal life of the Trinity, of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now the, that whole concept of Trinity is kind of hard to wrap our minds around. There's a lot of mystery associated with it. But in, but in effect, you, in the baptism of Jesus, we talked about two weeks ago, you have all three of the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity, showing up visibly and manifesting themselves there, right? You've got, you got the Son of God who's in the water to be baptized, right? And He is, the, he is, the, he is God in flesh, the Son of God, So he's there, and he comes up out of the water, and he's immediately joined by the Holy Spirit, right? In the form of a dove that comes and lights on his shoulder. And and at the same time that that's taking place, what else is happening? There's a voice. But the first thing is the the heavens are ripped open in Mark's gospel. It says they're just torn open. And then you hear the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And you begin to get a glimpse into what the inner, interpersonal life of the Trinity really is. They love each other. They are in unity with each other. They, they adore each other. They, uh, they serve each other. They, they defer to one another. They, they circle around each other. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact um, like one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, says it, says it this way. In Christianity, God is not a static thing. He's dynamic, a pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will, if you will not think me uh, irreverent, a kind of dance. Now, another theologian, Cornelius Plantinga, who expands on that idea, on Lewis's idea, says it this way, how? about how the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit glorify one another. The persons within God, they exalt each other. They commune with each other. They defer to one another. Each divine person harbors the others in the center of his his being. In constant movement and overture and acceptance, each person envelops and encircles the others. And God's interior life is therefore, God's interior life therefore overflows with regard for the others. In, In a sense, I, like, I love the image of that, is that the, the unity, the love, the, you know, the coordination of everything, it's like a dance. So, y'all have any idea of what we're going to do? <laughs> I don't dance. 
I, we got Dave Woods back here. Okay. All right. If y'all just, all right, arms up in the air. Grab arms like this. Okay. Grab arms like this. Like this. Link up. Okay. All right. Y'all ready? All right. This is going to be real simple. There's going to be four steps here. Okay. Okay. We're going to start with the right foot. We're going to step to the side. Go one, then the left, two, then three, then kick. Kick. Then, then, then you put the left back down. One, two, three, kick. Ready? Go. One, two, three, kick. Okay. One, two, three, kick. All right, go. Y'all are getting into this, aren't you? Okay, stop. Okay. Now, here's the deal. On your feet. On your feet. Now, if you're not sitting right next to someone, you slide over and you find four or five individuals. You find four or five individuals. Arms up. Okay? Ready? Now, listen. Listen. Everybody, listen. We're going to start with our right feet because we're going to look like we're going the opposite direction from you guys, but that's okay. We're going to start with our right feet. We're going to sidestep. There'll be one, two, three, kick. Then one, two, three, kick. Okay, go on. Two, two, three. Good, good. All right, now, Dave, we need some music. Okay, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little one to him belong. Good, yeah. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. How many of you thought you'd be doing this this morning in church? (laughs) Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Take a bow. All right, you may be seated. Y'all stay put. Y'all stay put. Don't, don't go anywhere. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. How do you get into the dance? Here's the deal. Here's how you get into the dance. You learn to serve. You discover the gift that God's implanted in you by the Holy Spirit and begin to use that and you begin to experience the the joy that comes, the power that comes from living in his rhythms. Does that make sense? That's how you do it. Now, the reason I chose these people because these people are already in the dance. See, Megan here? Megan, uh, we baptized this gal last fall. And, and, uh, and she's been a part of our church for less than a year, right? About a year? Yeah, uh, less than a year. Just less than a year, okay? She comes to know the Lord, uh, professes Christ, and she's, uh, she's plugged into our student ministry, building relationships with these gals and, and serving in our, in our student ministry. She's in the dance, okay? <laughs> this old boy right here. Well, he, he and Denise, they, 
they do next steps for us, but, but this year he's taken on. This is the chairman of our elders for this year, if you will. This is Kevin McCoy. His dance card is full. Okay, and this old boy right here, Dave Winfrey, he, about six months ago we approached Dave and asked him to lead a team, uh, our architectural vision team. And this guy's put a, a lot of hours in into that effort. And you see, the deal is his experience in his life, his, the creative juices in his life flow toward architecture. And, and, uh, and so on Tuesday night this week, um, uh, Dave and his team will make the presentation uh, uh, to our elders of the of phase 1A and phase 1B. And we have a master plan. We're excited. We're, we want to roll that out for you guys. But this guy's been serving in an area where he has gifts and he has experience and he's in the dance. You may not have known that, but this guy's been in the dance for, for about the last six or seven months and put a lot of work in. This little gal, Taylor, she's one of our college kids, and, uh, you know, she, we've watched her grow up at Will Ben, you know. And, uh, and so she came through. She was like, she was in our kids' program and our youth ministry and everything, but now she's giving back. You know, at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, she's with all of the the kids and WB kids that come for the nine o'clock hour for the Bible study hour. She and Perla Gack and Perla is back there somewhere, right? Wave Perla, you know? And uh, so, you know, so Taylor's been in the game. I mean, she's been in the dance. Okay. For a while. Now I just need to, the reason I asked her to come up because she's been doing this for a while is because the Lord's going to take her to Stephen F. Austin next fall. And, and we're going to, we're going to miss her gifts and her commitment. So I'm just saying that just so some of you would realize there's still going to be a oodle of kids showing up at 9 o'clock. <laughs> right? And so there's room. There's plenty of room on the dance floor. Okay? And, and, uh, and this little gal. Yeah, that's cool. Alex Rios came to Christ, you know, uh, gosh, just months ago. Right? We baptized this gal. She is a fitness trainer, okay? And so, um, so she started looking around almost immediately now that, you know, Christ is living in her heart and <laughs> Spirit of God stirring inside. And she thinks, well, what, how could I give back? What could I do that would be a ministry? Duh. So, she's, so this Friday, right? This Friday morning, 930, boot camp starts, okay? And Alex is... Wow, I mean, come ready, okay? Bring, bring at least two towels, okay, for the sweat. But, but she's, she's going to start giving back and investing not only in, in the fitness, you know, and helping folks get fit, but also spiritually fit as well with Bible study and with encouragement spiritually along the way. So isn't that cool? Okay, so, so let's thank you guys. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Now, here's the question I have for you. See, like, <clears throat> now you guys actually did that much better. I had a lot of fear and trepidation that, <clears throat> about trying to pull that off this morning. Uh, you guys did a much better. And if you're our, our visitor today, we don't do this every week, um, if you're a guest. Uh, but how many of you felt a little awkward, maybe? I know all you that came up on stage felt awkward. 
I mean, did anybody feel a little awkward? That oh, I'm going to slide over and walk, you know. You know, if you look at most churches today, most churches today look like the epitome of the junior high dance. You remember the junior high dance? Everybody's standing around the walls, and there's about four or five people out on the dance floor. Does that, does that have a familiar kind of feel to you? Most of our churches, that's what it looks like. That's one thing I love about it. It's one reason I love this church is because there are folks who invest here and use their gifts. And there's still places for that to happen. Now, I want to unpack two, two texts real quickly with you. I don't have a lot of time because I took a lot of time with that illustration. <clears throat> but, um, but I want to unpack two texts. First is found in Ephesians chapter 4. If you would turn with me there, just to, and as, a, as a way of encouraging us to explore uh, and discover and to begin to, uh, to fan into flame our gifts. And so we begin with verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. Now, you know Dave's rule. Anytime you see a therefore, you have to stop and see what it's there for. Okay? So in chapter 3, you realize Paul is writing this letter. He's incarcerated, and that's nothing particularly new with Paul. Paul's ministry lasted about 20 years, and, uh, and if you look at it chronologically, he, he spent at least seven of those 20 years in prisons. And you should be thankful, by the way, because it gave him plenty of time to write letters. So at, at the end of chapter 3, Paul, as a prisoner, unable to go and to visit the churches in Ephesus, tells them how he is praying for them. And the prayer is essentially that they would be filled, you know, and, and uh, with the Spirit of God, that the Spirit of God would be working powerfully in their inner lives, and that they would know fully the full dimension of the love of God, the breadth and length and depth and height of the love of God. And he finishes the prayer at the end of chapter 3 with this phrase, and now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine according to the power at work. Where's that power at work? Within us, he says. To him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all ages and or all generations, world without end. Amen. He's just finished praying for them, you know, saying to be, to be filled and viewed with power. Uh, and, uh, and he says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing one another in, in, with one another in love. And, and listen, and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, I had to pause there because, uh, because uh, here's what captured my eyes. The word maintain there is tereo. It means to preserve or to to maintain or to keep as as if to keep watch over. It's it's really important to us, folks, that we realize that we don't provide unity. We don't establish unity. We can only 
preserve it. We can only keep in step with it. We can only let our lives flow into it and flow with it. Who is it that establishes that unity, that bond between us? Well, the answer is the Trinity. That's the answer that I'm going for. It's the perfect unity and peace, the love exchanged within the persons of, of God. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, read verse 4. I've underlined intentionally for you so you'll see it. It'll pop for you. There is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, that is the Lord Jesus. One faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who's over all, through all, and in all. He establishes unity. He establishes the bond that holds us together. He is the one who establishes the peace. So how do we get in step with him? How do we get into the flow? Go to verse 7. But grace was given to each, each one of us, every one of us, each of us. You see it? According to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill fill all things. I mean, this there's a picture there. You know, there's a picture of the of the conquering king, the conquering king hero. Verse 8. Phenomenal statement. Go back. Look at verse 8. What Paul is saying is that he finishes his his earthly work in a blaze of, of glory. Go see John's gospel about that around chapter 13. He finishes his earthly work in a blaze of glory on the cross. And he dies for us. And three days later he rises and he absolutely conquers. He descends into hell. He, and then he ascends into the heavens. And he takes literally what it says. Captivity captive. He conquers all things. He lays, claims, he lays his claim on everything there is. And then what does he do next? He gives gifts. To you and I. He gives us gifts. That's a phenomenal statement if you really think about it. Rooted in his victory, his absolute conquest of everything. Life and death, hell and heaven. And then he gives gifts. You no doubt heard that, uh, that New England quarterback, that Brady guy who got the MVP, gave away his... Chevy pickup truck to the rookie, you know, strong safety guy. 
He gave a gift after the conquest, the Super Bowl. No comparison here. Guys, that was just a measly Super Bowl. Really? In light of eternity? You think we're going to remember that? It was just a Chevy truck. We're talking about a, a king who conquers life and death, who stakes his claim on everything, puts his name on all of creation. And then he turns to us and he gives gifts to us. Wow. Verse 11. And he gave, and this is just the verbal form, did on my, of, you know, of, of, uh, of Doma, of the word for gift. He gave the gift of apostleship. He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. You know, in the old King James Version, there was, there was, there was one too many comma in there. You know, the, the old King James used to read that he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers, you know, and, and the job description was basically in the King James three things, to equip the saints, to do the work of the ministry, and then to build up the body of Christ. But there's no comma in the Greek. He gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints so the saints can do the work of the ministry. There's a real difference. I feel a little funny because, you know, people talk about me and they say, well, you were called into the ministry. Really, I was called into the equipping of the ministry. I was called as a pastor and teacher not so that I could do the ministry. But so I could teach and instruct and equip and guide the ministers who I'm looking at right now. Are you getting that? Paul knew that well. You are here to minister, to serve. How do we do that? Go on, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And that doesn't just happen accidentally, does it? It doesn't just happen. It happens by design. And, and how does that begin to take shape? How, how does that become Reality. It becomes reality when every one of us in the church begins to employ and use our gifts to serve with our gifts for the benefit of the whole. Verse 16, see, from whom the whole body 
joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. My sister Anne lives up in cold country, uh, Minnesota. And she and Gunter were not able to be here for Christmas this year. Um, and so she sent um, Deb and I a gift. The most incredibly wonderful gift. The, you know, one of those desire of your hearts, spot on kind of gifts. But here's the irony of it. We almost forgot to open it. Right, Deb? It had been delivered by mail just a few days before Christmas, sealed up with wide tape in a brown court cardboard box. And, and, uh, and so we got it out. And, but when the melee started and, and presents uh, were, were taken up from out from under the tree and distributed throughout the room, there were all this brightly colored paper and there were bows and being ripped off packages and stuff was just flying everywhere. And the, the little brown cardboard box went unnoticed. The shiny paper, uh, there was no shiny paper to attract. It was left on the floor. It got partially kicked under the coffee table and, and hidden from sight and, and then wrapping paper stacked on top and, and, and so we had moved on we, uh, granddaughter Ryan and her dad were, were playing with, with one of her new toys and the other adults were scurrying around the kitchen we were cooking and then serving up a big Christmas brunch and several hours later we were full of food and, and we plopped down again in, in the living room and that's when Deb spotted it under the coffee table, misplaced, forgotten, never opened. And you're dying to know it was in the box, aren't you? I'm dying to tell you. There were little wrapped gifts for everybody that was in the room, but when Deb and I opened our gift, it was a little card. It was just a little card with a very sweet little note inside and a check for two round-trip tickets to Indonesia. We burst into tears. Most beautiful gift anyone could have given us. And we almost didn't open it. In your mind's eye, can you just picture this? Here's the Heavenly Father, and He's just waiting in anticipation. He's watching us, waiting for us to open up our gift, our spiritual gift. And He knows that it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect fit for our life, and a perfect fit to meet a need in, in the church that we are a part of, and, and for building up relationships in the, even in the community, and, and, and doing kingdom kind of work empowered by the Spirit. I mean, after all, I mean, after all, this, He's the Father. He, who knows us better than He does? The one who laid out our lives and designed us, who loves us more than He does, who who has even more gifts that he wants, but he longs for with 
He longs for, with, for us to experience the joy and the wonder and the fulfillment. He longs us for us to be connected to him and to his power. Uh, the, the, the Father in heaven, he longs more for us to have the connections with each other and to meet needs that will build others up and, 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 and infuse strength in, in his church. He, he, and he waits. And somehow, the, for some of us, the, the gift just sort of got kicked under the coffee table. He longs for us to see the delight, the joy on his face when, when we open that gift that he's given us. You see, that's, that's really what it's about. It's... It's realizing that this conquering king who has laid claim to everything there is immediately after his conquest, he didn't go to Disney World. He looked at you and I and said, let's hand out the gifts. I want them all, each one, to have a gift. Romans chapter 12. I mentioned this at the beginning of this series because because there are some important points made about our connection connecting to the body of Christ and, and using our gifts. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each one according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. And, and, and I said as we began this series about a month ago. This, this is who you are. This is who you are. You need to know yourself. You need to see yourself as God sees you. You need to recognize your strengths and, and your, your weaknesses. What really motivates you. I was having coffee with, with Coop this week. And, and Coop told me about. A, a day when he just stood and he looked at himself in the mirror for the longest time, when he really began to see himself. And it wasn't all that pretty, was it, Coop? But God used that self-assessment, that, you know, that m- moment with the encounter face-to-face with himself, but also in the presence of God to begin the work of transformation. And redirection. So there, that, this is the first step is, is discovering who we are. And then verse 4. For as in one body we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ. And individually members of one another. This is, this is telling us where we belong. We belong in community. We belong connected to the body of Christ. Attached. We are yes individuals. Individual members. We are, But we are. Un- and, and that just speaks to our uniqueness. We are uniquely gifted. And uniquely equipped but we are linked and interdependent on one another. And this is, this is what we do. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. We let us use them. Let, let, us, let's, let us use them. That's pretty simple, isn't it? If it's prophecy in proportion to your faith and service in your serving if one, if, if the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, 
the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see, here's, can I just summarize? Here's what happens. When you and I begin to discover, we discover our gift, we begin to operate in our gift, three things will happen. You ready? These three things. And, and then I'll close, okay? Three things. Number one, you will begin to sense a power, not your own, but is much greater, flowing in and through your life. And you will be amazed. You will be sometimes just amazed at what God is able to accomplish, what God does, how God orchestrates things, you know, and, and, and the timing and, and, and puts the pieces together. And, and we just, we show up and are willing just to engage with our gift. And we begin to have a sense that there's a power greater and larger, bigger, huge power that somehow begins to flow in and through our lives. There's a second thing. Second thing is your love will grow. Your love for God will grow. You know why? Because when, when we love people, we give gifts. And when you begin to open yours and unpack yours and you begin to use yours, use yours guess what happens? You will begin to have a sense of how deeply you are loved by him. And you know what? And your service will then begin to be a full circle thing. You know, so we really can actually say, I don't serve because I have to. I serve because I love him and I love to serve his people. I love what he's doing because he loves me. You, you, you will not only begin to sense his power, but you will, you will begin to sense deeper his love in your life. And third, your priorities will change. Your priorities will have to change. Because if he's given you a gift to unpack, a supernatural gift that he empowers by his Holy Spirit, and he intends for you to use it, you're going to have to say no to some things in order to say yes to putting that gift in the mix in his church. You're going to have to say no to some things. And see, one of the reasons why we have people at Willowbend Church who, who burn out, they flame out, is because they're people pleasers. I know, I, I've lived for decades as a people pleaser. I know what I'm talking about. And you can't say no to anything or anybody, right? And, and that needs to get done. And so, well, I've got to go fill that gap because that needs to get done. And I'm, I find myself not serving in my gifted area where I'm, where I'm gifted. And it gets expensive, doesn't it? And you're weary and you're tired. But you see, but when you discover your giftedness and you're using what God's given you to do, you begin to sense his power. Your love starts growing for him and you start figuring out, I got I to gotta, I gotta start making some changes in my priorities because I want to I use what God's given me and be faithful with it. And so that means... I can't do everything. And I'm not called to do everything. So I'll use my gift. Okay, I've been practicing the profession for like 38 years now. So I just want you to know I've been, I've done hundreds of weddings. Okay, I have. And, and then, because I'm a good person, not like some that I know, men in this church that won't go to weddings. <clears throat> Bob. 
Um, I've also gone to a lot of weddings. Okay, so I know how this works. Okay, so so you, this you know, the ceremony happens, and then and then while they're taking pictures, you know, we all go into the either into the fellowship hall or we go, you know, to the nice reception at the at the restaurant or whatever it is, and there's a DJ, right? Or sometimes there's a live band, but but there's there's got to be a DJ, right? Yeah, I was at I was at your daughter's wedding, Kevin. Yeah, I've been done a bunch of weddings in this room, okay. And so here's what happens: so they get the pictures taken, and then then they have to introduce the bridal party, right? So they start with the bridesmaids and the grooms, and they get them all introduced, and then then and it builds. And if the, he's a good DJ, it really he builds the moment. And then he announces and introduces the bride and groom. And what's the first thing they do? They dance. I, I don't have it on scriptural authority here. But here's what I think happens. I think one day, one day the groom, Jesus, is re- reunited with his bride. At the wedding supper, the wedding feast of the Lamb. I think we're going to dance. Let's just start. Let's get started, okay? Get in the dance, okay? Band, come up if you would. Band is going to just play softly, quietly for us. I'm going to pray for us in a moment. Let them get on stage. I want you to spend some time with the Father. I want you to take the insert that was in your program this morning that has that has questions, it has places for you to fill out. Um, and uh, some of you some of you already know, some of you are already serving in 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 various ministries and and so there's a, a way for you just to, to allow the, the father just to you know just to affirm that and love on you, you know, saying because you're you're in the dance because you're doing what he wants to do. But but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe there's something God's, you know, where God has gifted you and God wants to use you, and maybe you're trying to figure that out. And our desire is to come alongside. We we want to come alongside you. We want to encourage you. We want to help you to discover that. And sometimes the best way to do that is just to get involved somewhere. <laughs> And, uh, and serve for a while and, and, and then and evaluate and spend some time with a, with a leader who'll, who will you know, who'll give you feedback and kind of watch and, and observe how you're serving. And, um, and so there are opportunities that are listed there, places to plug in. And this is just a little assessment that we just did this week in staff. And, but it, it would represent a place that if you are open and willing just in a moment just to pray and ask God, Let's see. Let's see what he stirs up. Let's see what he stirs up. Okay? So let's pray.